welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to our series of podcasts on trauma-informed practice brought to you by Connects Academy and After the Bell. As an approved DfE provider of the fully funded senior mental health lead training, we are acutely aware of the challenges young people are facing with their mental health and the challenges schools are facing supporting students with this. Increasingly, schools are becoming more aware of the impact of traumatic events during childhood and using this awareness to inform their approach. Our guests today are Andy Bridge, a deputy head teacher, and Debbie Davis, head teacher in Senko. Thank you for tuning in with us for our third podcast. Hopefully last week you had a chance to listen and remember that we looked at the principles of trauma-informed practice. We covered six key principles, which were safety, trustworthiness, choice, collaboration, empowerment, and cultural consideration. In today's episode, we are talking about adverse childhood experiences and the links to trauma. We hope that you find the discussion informative and useful. Childhood is a vulnerable time and what happens to us then has long, deep impacts. Adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, describe traumatic experiences that can have lasting effects into adulthood. The more ACEs someone experiences, the more challenging they may have to overcome. Let's take a look at what adverse childhood experiences are, what impacts they may have and how to prevent them. And most importantly, how you can cope if you are someone who endured traumatic experiences in childhood. So a really, really deep and uh, quite difficult conversation today, Debbie and Andy, but let's hope we can uh, start to explore these a bit further, but in a sensitive manner. So Debbie, where shall we begin on the subject of ACEs? Uh, Hi, Georgie. Hi, Andy. So uh, for me, I guess the word adverse is key here, together with the word childhood. Adverse means having a negative or harmful effect on something namely a child's mental health, physical health and general well-being. And this refers to anyone under the age of 18. To mention some examples of traumatic and adverse childhood experiences, we could be talking about a combination or, or one of the following. So ACEs refer to any kind of abuse, and we've talked about these in previous podcasts, physical, sexual, emotional and neglect. We could be talking about bereavement, suicide or tragic loss, abandonment, divorce or separation, an experience in what, what we refer to as the toxic trio. So if a child in, in, in the during the childhood is experiencing um, or exposed to drugs, alcohol, coercive control, domestic violence, and, and also having a mentally ill or incarcerated parent could contribute to the adverse childhood experiences and they can have a combination they can have one of these experiences and that they really are quite traumatic for children to work through 
So thank you, Debbie. It, it certainly is a very emotive conversation. When, when did people start talking about adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, Andy? Um, obviously, we've known that significant events in a child in a child's life can have a lasting impact for a long time. But in terms of large scale research studies, we're probably looking at the last 25 to 30 years. And one of the most significant studies being between 1995 and 1997. Um, and, and in that study, 17,000 people were interviewed. And I personally found the, the results of that study quite shocking. So they found 66% of their 17,000 people that they interviewed had experienced at least one adverse childhood experience. 20% um, had experienced up to three of them. So we're, we're actually talking about quite a significant number of the population here. Um, again, we've, we've known that there's links between adverse childhood experiences and future mental health difficulties, but actually something um, that those researchers noted was actually a link between ACEs and future physical health needs, including heart disease and cancer. So the implications of these ACEs are absolutely enormous. Debbie, are ACEs random or are there situations where children are more likely to be at risk? Mm, that, that's a powerful question, Georgie. L lots of factors can influence here. So economic status, community and family background, some of the factors that might influence uh, to possi the possibility of experience an ACE. Let, let's have a look at, at what they, they might be. So low income and poverty. We've discussed poverty in previous episodes. A low level of education within the family. Family stress and economic stress when growing up. Families that are not close and lack ability to speak out about their feelings and emotions. Being subjected to um, spanking or corporal punishment can be traumatic and is traumatic for children. Parents who themselves have been abused or neglected. Um, and moving on to another four that I'll cover. High rates of violence in the community. Disadvantaged communities. Uh, substance abuse um, within the family and community. And, and finally, you know, uh, coming come to another area, the a community lack of provision for its, its youth, really. And it's kind of yeah, that there's there's uh, you know lots of potential, isn't there, for um, ACEs to occur. So, how common or rare are ACEs, Andy? Um, uh, you know, a lot more common than than we might first think. So, again, these figures vary depending on which study you look at, but potentially looking at around sixty percent of adults having experienced an ACE, um, even up to one in six adults experiencing four or more different ACEs. And we know that the more different ACEs that a child experiences, the greater number, the more significant the impact is likely to be. Um, but I think it is important to note as well that there are some racial disparities when it comes to ACEs. So again, these figures need some further research, um, but some studies indicate that the figures are perhaps around 40% of white children have experienced an ACE. 23% of Asian children, but up to 61% of black children. So that's just something that we need to be aware of and, and sensitive to as well. 
So another term that I've heard around, Debbie, is toxic stress. Can you tell us what the impact of toxic stress is? Again, you know, we come to the word toxic and that's popping up again. What, what does that mean? Here we see stress that takes over the body in an all encompassing fashion. The result can lead to changes in metabolism, immune system, cardiovascular system, as well as the brain and the nervous system. And I've, I have examples of, of working with children who've experienced up to nine ACEs at once. You can imagine how traumatic and, uh, that is for a child. Um, you know, that just, just even thinking about it really is, you know, that the child needs to be massively supported and the impact shows when such children are at a distinct disadvantage when they meet barriers or are challenged with the, the following so establishing and maintaining effective relationships with others securing a job or managing their own finances they struggle through depression they fall into violence uh, may, may fall into violence um, early unwanted pregnancies, being incarcerated themselves, um, exposing their own children to ACEs, alcohol or substance abuse, suicide attempts or ideation. Uh, they have a higher risk of health issues, as Andy said, such as heart disease and cancer, lung disease and, and liver disease. It's, it's prospects aren't standing very positive for children that have had ACEs, particularly if they've had more than one experience. And Andy, it's it's clear that it's really important that we need to try and support these children at a very early stage. And that's where teachers can help and support pupils who have experienced ACEs. How how can you um how can you explain this a bit further for us? Yeah, actually you know, I think when when we think about these children in school, it's we've got a moral imperative to go the extra mile and to be really proactive in our thinking and our working to support them. So um, ensuring that the school they're in is the best one that suits their needs, which is obviously particularly important if they are a looked after child or a child in care, then there is an element of choice about which provision um, is that they name as their first choice. Um, we've talked before about collaboration and the importance of really strong communication between school, parents, carers, different professionals, all stakeholders that are involved with that, that child. And I think we need to be aware of potential triggers. So, you know, if a child has been subjected to or witnessed sexual abuse in their childhood, then it might be particular topics within a PSHG lesson particularly difficult. But they might be much more subtle than that. It could be just other aspects of the curriculum, certain lessons. Triggers can even be certain sounds, noises, smells, images can trigger a very emotive response in a child. So I think really anything that we can do to build solid relationships that are based on trust and safety um, and never kind of forgetting that before we can get a student to learn and focus on the curriculum, we've got to help them feel safe because without that psychological safety, they're, they're never going to be in a position to prioritise their learning. So one kind of useful thing just just to keep at the forefront of our mind is unpicking the behaviours that we see a little bit more. Now, there's a chance that a child is just behaving in in a, 
a disruptive way because they're bored or they want some attention. But if they're a child that's been subjected to ACEs, there could be something much deeper than that that's happening. So, you know, just pausing and reflecting and thinking, actually, is this a telltale, telltale sign of something deeper that we need to unpick a bit further? Do you mind if I just come in there, Andy, on the back of that? Yeah, so as a teacher, you, you know, you, you've got your outcomes to achieve and you've planned your lessons and you've planned your assessments and you've got your lesson there and you're ready to go. And yes, that's exactly what we do as teachers. But is it inconceivable to think that a child has come into school that morning and they haven't slept all night uh, because they've witnessed really serious domestic violence that may not have even been reported through Encompass or all the, the methods of reporting and, and, and networking. And they, when they come into school, they're at they're already at fight, flight or freeze. We'll talk about that. And they're not ready to learn. The barriers are there. And it's important to to see the signs, to notice changes in children and to be there for them and apply the principles and, and the relationship that is so important to help them overcome the trauma and the barriers that they face due to their experiences and their ACEs. Absolutely. And I think you hit home very clearly there, Debbie. And, you know, we often the children arrive in school and they've not had a, a proper meal or, you know, a, a good breakfast. One of the things we're doing here as part of the classroom partnership and our wider association is supporting Magic Breakfast. So um, and we're all sort of doing fundraising as as uh, a, an organisation to support the payment of and provision of making sure every child has a good breakfast. So it enables them to almost have a break and a stop before they they come into school and 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 have a hearty meal, which aids their learning. And it almost it's a safety and security response as well. So um, some really, really tough conversations that I think you know we, we're tackling here and and actually you cannot underestimate the the power and support and um sort of steadfastiness that a school good robust school education and teacher can give to individuals and children that are experiencing horrendous situations at home or trauma at home it's a very emotive and uh, difficult conversation but we're going to unpack these further and I don't normally do this but I would like to read a little poem called We're Not Stupid. We're not stupid, we might be just scanning for danger, preoccupied with worries of previous events but you're not trauma informed. We're not stupid, we look unfocused and fidgety but we may be having flashbacks of previous abuse, but you're not trauma informed. We're not stupid. We feel the world differently than you. We find unstructured lessons unsafe, but you're not trauma informed. We're not stupid. Fear is our friend and anger is our bodyguard, but you're not trauma informed. We're not stupid. Fear of failure stops us even trying. We want to leave the room to avoid further shame, but you're not trauma informed. 
We're not stupid. We don't share our pain through talking. Silence is our game. We don't mean to disrespect you, but we're not all the same. But you're not trauma informed. We're not stupid. We need you to understand us and respect our different needs. Know we have good intentions, but our flaws get in the way. But you're not trauma informed. We're not stupid. You have old fashioned teaching styles and old fashioned views. We need you to respond differently so we don't quit. But you're not trauma informed. We're not stupid, but you're not trauma informed. Written by Traumatised Children. And I think I'm going to leave it there today. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.